Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we have arrived at the book that we've all been waiting for. We're here in Revelation. Uh, we're going to be reading tonight. We're going to be studying the first eight verses of the book of Revelation. Um, you know, it's been, a, as, as we've been speaking a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things I just really quickly wanted to share with you, um, the first time that I announced that we would be teaching um, Revelation here at the Hot Rod Bible Study, uh, one of the things is as I went home that night, I, I even I, I even said to myself, I said, Mike, are, are you, are, did you know what you said today? You said you're going to be teaching the book of Revelation. And so it's amazing how the Holy Spirit allows these things to come into us. But it's amazing as as we've been studying, as I've been studying through the book, and I know many of you have been studying, uh, we're going to get into the, the word tonight. And so what I'll do is I'll go ahead and read the first eight verses and then we'll go back. I do tonight, I want to tell you, I do have an introduction tonight because... I do feel strongly that introductions are important. And I know a lot of people that they kind of, you know, I don't want to lose you guys. I want to really, really encourage you guys to be with us. But one of the things about the introductions that I think it kind of, it reminds me of the movie. It's the who, what, where, and why. You know, you get a little bit late. You get five minutes late or ten minutes late to a movie. You come in, then you're asking your wife, who's this? Who's that? What's that person doing? What's that? And so you don't know exactly what's going on. And everybody's telling you, shh. In the movies, right? They're telling you to be quiet. So this is why we're going to have an introduction tonight. And so I'll get into that. Uh, but before uh, we get into reading um, the last book of the Bible, the 66th book of the Bible here tonight, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we'll see um, tonight what the Lord has for us. And so, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for drawing us here tonight, Father, as we anticipate your book, your word tonight, Father, as we open up the book of Revelation, Father. We know, Lord, that this book, it means an unveiling, Father, of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as you are unveiled, Lord, we pray that tonight, Father, that we would see you much clearer than we ever have, Father. As we study through your word, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come alongside us, Father, and it would teach us all that is you tonight, Father. We, we, we are leaning heavily on you, as always here at the Hot Rod Bible Study, Father. Be with us. Guide us. We pray all of these things tonight, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which, which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. To all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn 
because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. As we've arrived here at the book of Revelation, I know many of you have been anticipating this study. I have been anticipating it as well. Um, some of the things that we're going to see as we go through the book of Revelations, and I you know, kind of brought this in at the last minute, but I wanted to draw everybody in. So some of the things that we're going to see as we study uh, the book of Revelation tonight, or, or as we study as we go forward in the next couple of, of weeks, one of the things is we're going to see the vision of the Son of Man. And this is going to be here early on. We're going to see the vision. We're going to see the seven churches. And next week, we're going to see what these, who these seven churches are. They're going to be named. Uh, some of the things we're going to see, the throne room of heaven. We're going to see the great tribulation. We're going to see the two witnesses. We're going to see Satan thrown out of heaven. We're going to see the beast of the sea, the beast of the earth. We're going to explain and uh, tell about the 144,000. I know that many people, oftentimes there's a lot of uh, uh, talk about the 144,000, who they are. Uh, we're going to get into that as we go through uh, the study. Uh, also, uh, we're going to see Christ in chapter 19 ride in on a white horse, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as is written on his thigh. It is just such an amazing uh, study as we get. We're going to see Satan bound for a thousand years. Uh, we're going to see the saints, um, the, the saints, which we are gonna, at that time going to be considered the saints that they reign with Christ for a thousand years. We're going to see the new heaven, the new earth, Jerusalem, and we are going to see the future and the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ and what they are speaking about. You know, a, a person once said, um, as, as we're speaking about the future, a person once said that it is... Uh, it is one of the things that we should be concerned about. The future is something that we should be concerned about because we are going to spend the rest of our lives there. One of the things is, as well is you see that Abraham Lincoln said that the interesting thing about the future is all of us, it is going to come one day at a time. That we see as we move forward into the future that it will only come one day at a time. You know, the book of Revelation is one of those books that many times people say it is a locked book. There has been a lot of teachers as we there's the studies through the, the book of Revelation. People said that this book is locked. But one of the interesting things about it that the very name of it, the revelation, is speaking of the unveiling that they that Jesus Christ is going to be revealed. So we're going to see that Christ has put this book in the Bible for us to open and to read. One of the interesting things, as I've been reading through some of the commentators that I love, there, there was a, a Lewis a Talbot said that there, one of the things that keeps, that, that Satan has kept thousands of people, believers, away from the book of Revelation. And the reason why is because that Satan does not want anybody to read and understand the book of Revelation because this is where he is defeated. This is where he is truly defeated, and we'll see. And this is what he is drawing people away from the book of Revelation. And so this is for us to read and to understand the book of Revelation. Uh, one of the things that we see that we see that Revelation is not an allegory. These are not a, a collection of stories that are just for us. They, they have meaning, and as we study the book of Revelation, we will come to understand those things. It is predictive prophecy and, and it is important that we would see that this is predictive prophecy revelation it gives 
the most detailed of the last days of human history than any other book of the Bible. Any other book of the Bible. I know there's prophecy in other books. Isaiah, Daniel. Uh, there's so many other prophecies in other books. I mean, there's prophecy even in, in other books that sometimes they don't even consider prophecy. But there is so much prophecy in Scripture. And a lot of times people say that prophecy of the Bible, it is a distraction. But one of the things we'll see that if it is true that prophecy is a distraction, we'll see that the Holy Spirit must have wanted us to be distracted because a quarter of the Bible or 25% of the Bible is prophecy. And so we'll see that the prophecy is 25% of the Bible. And so if it is a distraction, this is what God is calling us to. One of the great Bible expositors, Martin Luther, um, the great reformer, he did not care too much for the book of Revelation. He had considered this book uh, anti-Lagama, which he considered was a books that he considered that were questionable in the Bible. One of the things that Martin Luther said that he said that he did not see Jesus being revealed in, uh, he could not see him in the book of Revelation. But one of the things that I think that's interesting, the great reformer that we see, the, the great reformer of the Reformation, failed to see Jesus in the Revelation. He could, you know, he knew he was part of the Reformation, but did not see Jesus in the Reformation or in the Revelation. One of the things as well, uh, Bible uh, commentator uh, John Calvin, who we're very familiar with, that he accepted Revelation as the canon of Scripture. But one of the things that I think that's interesting is that he made a commentary on every single book of the New Testament except for the book of Revelation. So you can see that a lot of times there is Bible teachers, expositors, that they are fearful. Or they, they, they have something there. They think that they cannot understand the, the Revelation as we see the word of God as it goes forth. And so we're, this is the reason why you've gathered here tonight. This is the reason why we've gathered here tonight. But one of the things that is helpful um, for us is that out of the 404 verses of the book of Revelation, that's how many verses are in the book of Revelation. Out of the 404 verses, 360 verses either a quote or allude to the Old Testament. So for many of us here tonight, and this is one of the things that I think is so powerful, as we go through the book of Revelation, it will quote or either allude to something of the Old Testament, and so it will challenge us, our knowledge of the Old Testament. And one of the things that I think that if you come here tonight, and this is why it's so important that we go to a church, that they you know, teach on Sunday, they teach all the New Testament, and then on Wednesday night, Pastor Greg does an amazing job of teaching us the Old Testament. And so if you get an opportunity to, re to go to those studies, and this is where it's going to come. Uh, we're going to see it here in the book of Revelation. It's going to be powerful. But one of the other keys that I think that is so powerful, and I'm going to read it here tonight, is that it has an outline. The book of Revelation has an outline, and it is in verse 19 of chapter 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read it here. And it says, it tells him here, it says, speaking, it says, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. We see that this is the outline of the whole book of Revelation. You see, the things which we have seen is chapter one. The things we have seen, and we're going to go through chapter one, and this is going to explain that's chapter one. And the things which are are going to be chapters two and three. And then we're going to see next the things that take place after this. This is going to be chapter 4 through chapter 22. It's interesting that chapter 4 starts 
the very first verse, it says, after these things, and it goes in, in line. One of the last things that I'll kind of leave you here, kind of the timeline of the book of Revelation when it was written. It was written 95, they believe, 96, or 95, 96 AD. Um, there is some, um, there's many uh, controversies about many books of the Bible, but there are some Bible uh, teachers that believe maybe it was written much earlier uh, but most Bible believers, uh, commentators believe that it is 95-96. And so this was a time that John, um, in, there in the first century, it was written. And we could see that at this time, a lot of times people said that this book, a lot of people said that it didn't sound like John. And we're familiar with John's letters as we have just come through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're familiar with his letters. But there is a lot of people that said, hey, this, this book of Revelation doesn't sound. It has some similarities of John, but it doesn't sound like John. But one of the things that's interesting about the book of Revelation, that yes, John wrote the book of Revelation, but the author is Jesus Christ, is God himself. And so we'll see as he was leading him, and we're going to get into the chain of that as we get into the first verse. But one of the things that we see that believers were under heavy persecution at this time. They were under heavy persecution. We see that John was <coughs> exiled to the island of Patmos. And we see that that island was a, a six-mile uh, by ten-mile island, 25 miles off the coast of Asia Minor, um, modern-day Turkey today. Um, and so it's just this island. It was a penal colony out there. And it's interesting that as he wrote this letter, and, and I was thinking about this, that oftentimes we remember that, that John, he was one of the sons, they considered him in the Bible, the sons of Zebedee. We remember that, right? And then his brother... Uh, James was the very first uh, apostle that was martyred. And this comes from Acts 12 too. We see that his, his uh, brother was martyred there in Acts 12 too. But it's interesting to see that his brother was the first one martyred. And we see that the oldest apostle who we believe, John, that dies from natural causes, that he is the one. His brother was the first one and he is the last one. And so he is exiled on this island of Patmos and God gives him this vision of the revelation and it just makes me think about that god oftentimes in our lives as we go through things that oftentimes i think that as we see that john as he was as a punishment he was placed on this island of patmos but this is where god revealed this revelation to him and i think oftentimes in our lives i think sometimes we can see that i know that we a lot of times we don't like to be alone but sometimes we can get that alone time that we can spend and God reveals things to us as we spend time in prayer in our uh, prayer room and in our in our time and you know a lot of times like when I tell people that about their prayer room they think it's like a special place in their house but I don't know about you I've spent many of prayer time my prayer room is in my car because this is the time and I know and, and, and it really works out well today it didn't work out so well 10 15 years ago because people thought you were talking to yourself they thought you were a little crazy but nowadays everybody everybody <laughs> talks now on their phones or everybody talking and so when you're talking to your car driving around people don't even don't even bat an eye anymore at you they, they look at you and they believe um, so one of the things really quick and we see that the book of Revelation is written kind of in a spiritual code uh, one of the reasons why as we as we talked about that under heavy persecution um, if the Romans uh, were to get the letter, they would probably read it and not understand what's going on. And we see that as they were believers and had a background of what some of the things of the Old Testament, they would have an understanding. One of the last things I want to leave before we go to the study tonight, that it is traditional and it is believed that John was released from the island of Patmos. And he was released and he was uh, released by the emperor uh, Nerva, that he was released by him. And he went to Ephesus 
where he was in his old age and he was so old that he could not very get around very well. So people would take him to synagogues and they would say the apostle John is going to be here tomorrow. And so the crowds would swell and he would get in there. And, and as they brought him before the, the crowds and he would say the only thing that he would say to the crowd, he said, love one another. And he would come down off that and that would be the only thing he would say. And this is one of the things that he said, that he said that it was what he learned from our Lord and Savior, that we are to love one another. And so this is where John, as, as we write, and we're going to get into some of the other parts of as we speak about uh, the things of, of the revelation here. And so we're going to get into verse 1 here. And so it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel and his servant, John. You see, the, the word revelation, it is comes from the, the Greek word apocalypsis. And, and I know that as, as you guys think about this word, this revelation, apocalypsis, in our English, it came the word apocalyptic in, in, the, in the English. But in our English language, it always means something that's a catastrophic, some huge event that's happening, a, a cataclysm, it says, a, or the final destruction. I looked up a, a, a title for it, and it said the final destruction of the world. But this is the, the English definition of the word apocalypsis. And, but we see that in the Greek, it is an unveiling. It is unveiling. And so what this is actually saying here in the very first, very first verse, it's saying the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. This is what God is unveiling. He is unveiling Jesus Christ. And I know that many of you, you've probably heard, and I have as well, and I might even have said it myself as well, that many times people refer to the book of Revelation, they, they put a plural on it, they, they call it the book of Revelations. No, it is one revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is God announcing Jesus Christ to us. So it is one revelation. It is one revelation. It is Jesus Christ. And so we see that this is what he is speaking of here. But one of the things as, he, as we talk about an unveiling or pulling a cover off of something, I know many of you are familiar since we are here hot rod guys. We, uh, we're very familiar with a, a TV show that was called Overhauling. And, and I know many of you as Chip Foods was like the, the guy that was in charge of this show that would come out on TV. And remember that they would take an old car that was all beat up or, or maybe was something that had been in the family and they take it and they overhaul it. Right, And after they overhaul it, remember that, that everybody, it's a secret. Because most of the time they would try to sneak the car away from the family member. They would get other family members in on it. And they would sneak it out of the garage. And then Ship Foods would do his magic on it and all his crew. And they would come to the time that they would unveil it. They would reveal it to the person. And it's interesting, that, that show. But one of the things as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, bringing this up tonight about overhauling, you know, one of the things that I'm always amazed by, that, that God... Many of us here tonight, many of us, God has overhauled us. He has ripped out that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh. And so it is pliable so he can work in our lives and we can see that. But one of the things that we understand that unveiling as, the, as in the show, they would unveil the car, or the automobile. But this is what Christ is doing. God is doing here. He is revealing Christ, something that was once hidden. He is revealing Christ to us now. And so we see here in the Jesus Christ, which gave him. Um, to show his servants which things must shortly take place. 
As you think about this story here in the book of Revelation is 2,000 years ago, you might think of this shortly take place. Well, what were they talking about then? How was it that 2,000 years ago they said it will shortly take place and we are 2,000 years later and we still have not, this still has not taken place. But the word here, interesting in the Greek, it is the word entakai is the word that is used here. And it is, the, and I know it since this is, this is a, a revelation for the Hot Rod Bible Study because that entakai is where we get the English word tachometer. And we know that a tachometer measures RPM, right, velocity. This is what it means. And so it, what it is saying here is that when these events come, it might take a long time for them to come, but once they do come, they will happen in rapid succession. They will start coming and coming. They will come in rapid succession once the, as like in the dominoes, once they start going into motion, then it happens very quickly. And, and we see that this is what he is speaking about here, This, um, that as he speaks about here, that it will take place shortly, that this is what he's speaking about here, that the, the end of world <coughs> history will take part in high gear, and it will kick in once it starts to happen. As we see here, as he, the servant as he, um, and says, the servants would shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel and his servant John. One of the things really quickly is that he signified it. It is to reveal by signs. And this is one of the things that we see in the book of Revelation, that it will be revealed by signs. And these signs, as we will look through, they have meaning. And we will go through those signs and we will draw the meaning out of it, that Christ will reveal Jesus Christ to us. But it will also reveal the end time a prophecy of what will happen in the end of world history. And we're going to see it. And one of the things that, that this all this uh, revelation is telling us is, is drawing us to that we would have trust and that we would have faith in the word of God. Knowing that all the things that God in the Bible has promised and the things that have come to pass, 100% of the things that have come to pass, that we would have faith knowing that this prophecy here will come to pass, that his second coming, all the things that we're going to march for, forward, that is to build our faith, that we would understand of the things that are coming. One of the last things here in verse 1, I know verse 1 has been a little lengthy, I'll, I'll start moving the pace up a little bit here, but one of the things that we see first on, that we see that God took the revelation and he gave it to Jesus, and I, I love this, he gave it, and the chain was he gave it to Jesus, and then he gives it to an angel, an unnamed angel, and that angel gives it to John. And you can imagine if you would be in line, can you imagine being in the line to God the Father, Jesus Christ, an angel, an unnamed angel, and then yourself. Can you imagine this revelation was vision was given to him. It's just so amazing to think that, but this is where God could have chose to speak the gospel through angels. He could have spoke the gospel through any other creature, but he chose man. And this is the reason why he chose each and every one of us, that we would go out into the world and preach the gospel, teach the gospel, live the gospel life, the witness for Christ. And this is why and we see that here. Um, but one of the things really quick that we remember that Peter, James and John, that they were the inner circle Remember with Jesus, and I, and I told many of you, and maybe you guys don't agree, or maybe some people do agree, but I oftentimes I think that Peter, James, and John were kind of like the my, my, my kids, like the ones that you see me with all the time. There's a reason why I have those kids with me all the time, because I, I have to give them a short lease. They can't go too far from me, because then they, they get out of hand. And so I, I mean myself, I, and I, I think we'll wait to get to heaven, that Peter, James, and John were ones that Jesus always had to keep close for a reason. But as they always were with him, remember that John, 
He, that he was always with Jesus in some of these things. He was with him at the crucifixion. He was with him when Jesus ascended into heaven. He was with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. And we see that, that all these things, that he has been witness to those things. And this is going to come up here in verse 2. And it says, uh, verse 2, it says, Who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. And so we see that these are words spoken in a court of law. That John would be the witness of the things that he saw. And you see that we're going to see as we march forward that he is going to ask him, the Holy, the, through God, who's going to ask him to write down the things, this angel of the things that he saw. And these are the things. And we have to remember also that this is a man first century, right? First century. And so some of the things that he saw, he could not describe. And so he uses things that he's familiar with in his time to describe them. And so as we go through the books, remember, keep those things in mind as we start to think about the things of John. But really quick here in verse 2, it says, it reminds me of 1 John 1, 1. It says, and which of, uh, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, and our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hearts have have handled concerning the word of life. And this was uh, 1 John 1, 1. And this was just speaking about that John is the witness of Jesus Christ, that he's handled him, that he's walked with him, that he is apostle, that he is a true witness for Jesus Christ. And so here in verse 3 it says, this is the, the part you're going to love so much, and this, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time is near. Blessed, the word blessed, it means oh so happy or oh how happy. Um, it is a, a, a promise. And this is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing. The only book of the Bible that promises a blessing. And, and as we read it here, as we see it, it says blessed is he who reads it. That's me here tonight, right? This is me. But it says blessed is he who hears it. That's you. That are gathered here tonight. But this is the next one here. It's blessed is he who keeps it. And my prayer is that each and every one of us would keep God's word. As we learn through the book of Revelation tonight. Um, interestingly enough it says. Um, I love that it talks about it. says the words of this prophecy. It is a prophecy as we see. It is not an allegory. It is God speaking prophetically into the future. Of the things that will take place in the future. And it's not a prophecy is not a guess. It is not a calculated guess. No, it prophecy of God is the events that will take place. 100% will take place. And so we need to put that in and, and have an understanding of that. But it is to build our faith. And, and one of the last things here is we see um, this, be, they call this in the, in the book of Revelation, they call this the first beatitude. We remember that in Matthew, the beatitudes, we remember that blessed is he. And, and it goes down to the list of all the beatitudes. Well, here in the book of Revelation, this is the first beatitude here in the book of Revelation. And I'll share the rest of them with you. Number two is uh, Revelation 14, 13, uh, Revelation 16, 15, uh, Revelation 19, 9, Revelation 26, uh, Revelation uh, 22, 7, and Revelation 22, 14. Those are the seven beatitudes of the book of Revelation. Blessed. Each one of those words, verses have that I read have blessed in it, and which we see, and they consider them the Beatitudes of the book of Revelation. So it's powerful that we see that, the Beatitudes. Um, last thing that I'll leave you with, and it said that it ended that verse, verse 3, it says, the time is near, and we see that it is speaking of Christ's second coming. There isn't anything waiting to happen 
in world history for Jesus to come. He could come tonight. Jesus Christ could come tonight. And I think the reason why Jesus always said that his time was near, because he wants us to live as if Christ could come at any minute. This is how we should live. And I think many of us can agree tonight, if we knew for sure, if somebody told you a date on a calendar that next week on Wednesday that Jesus Christ was for surely coming on Wednesday, no, there is no, he knew 100% that he was going to come on Wednesday. The way we live today, would we be living it any differently than the way we're living right now? And this is the reason why Christ has called us to live our lives in expectation that Christ could come at any minute. There isn't any reason why he could not come. So here in verse 4 it says, John, um, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. John, you see, he very clearly he identifies himself here, um, but we see that he speaks about the seven churches that are in Asia this is an Asia minor, modern-day Turkey today as we speak about it. As we get into next week, we will get there in verse 11, and we will learn of the names of these seven churches. Uh, all of them he will name there in seven churches. Jesus will name him himself. And, and I love this. As we go through the book of Revelation, I don't know about you, but always look for the stuff that is written in red because this is Jesus Christ himself speaking in the Bible, speaking to us, and it's just so powerful that we see that. And so we see here, as he's saying of the seven churches, he says, grace to you. This is a normal greeting. We know grace is an unmerited favor. As we get into peace, we know as a Hebrew word, um, they use it today still. Currently, it is shalom, right? As they go into Israel there, and as I went to Israel there, you would go places. And it's interesting to people that go around and they say shalom to you. And, and I know many of us, it's, it's, it's much different than saying hello or hi, or buenos dias, or whatever we say, no matter where we come from, it is much different, because when you go to somebody in the streets of Israel, and you say shalom, that you are asking, that you are telling them peace, peace, and even though that people tell you good morning, or tell you hello, or hi, but it is much different when people say shalom to you, they're offering you peace, and this is what the world is in need of today, we are in need of peace, and so we see that these are the things that Christ has put on many of them, as we get to the last part, once again, we see that he said here that the um, seven, I'm um, sorry, here as uh, seven spirits. Um, many times, uh, as we talked about that, we said that these um, these beatitudes, the seven beatitudes that were in uh, the book of Revelation, those were the first of many sevens that are in the Bible, many sevens. And we're going to go through and we're going to see as we study the book of Revelation, we're going to see many sevens. But I'm just going to mention some of them here. I, I just wanted to point out a few sevens as we go into it. We're going to see seven churches, seven spirits, seven lampstands, seven stars, seven lamps, seven seals, seven uh, horns, seven eyes, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven thunders, seven thousand men, seven heads, uh, seven crowns, seven plagues, seven vials, seven mountains, and seven kings, just to name a few. There is 49 sevens in the book of Revelation. And I know many of you as I know many people are gathered here tonight, our Bible expositor, Bible, you know, you guys know, probably know more about the Bible than I do. But the number seven, we know it is the number of completeness. And I believe that the reason why Jesus Christ used so many sevens in the book of Revelation, because it is the completeness of this book. It is, after this, it is, like his word said, it is finished. This is everything. This is the end of world history. And this is why he believed that he uses so many sevens as we go through uh, the book of Revelation here. It's just so powerful that we see um, that he uses so many sevens. And so here um, in verse five, it says, 
And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. One of the things as we see really uh, quickly, I think the one thing that drew out of this verse to me is the firstborn from the dead. I know that a lot of times there is other people that use this portion of scripture. And this is the reason why I want to make sure that we all understand that they, they, people use, cults use this area to say, oh, you see right here, it says that Jesus did always exist. He was born. No, no, let's read what it says very clearly in context. It said he is the firstborn of the dead. He is the first one to conquer death and come back in a resurrected body. We know that Jesus Christ himself, that he wasn't the first one to be raised from the dead. We saw that uh, Lazarus, right? We saw Jairus' daughter, that she was raised from the dead. But this is clearly saying here that Jesus was the first one in the resurrected body. And, and I love this because we're going to see it here. This comes from Colossians uh, 1.18. Um, it's a little bit different in some of the other versions, but I felt that the best, um, the best, they gave it most meaning. Uh, I got it out of the, the Passion Translation, um, and here it is. It says, um, this is from uh, Colossians 1.18, and it says, He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. You see, Jesus was the first resurrected as he was considered here the firstborn from the dead. He was the first one that resurrected. And now all of us, as we will rule and reign with Christ, we will receive our resurrected body. But he was the first one. And this is what is alluding to here. Um, and when I, I love this. In, in the next part, it says that he will be ruler over kings of the earth. We remember I just mentioned it at the opener um, that Revelation 19.16 said that he will come in on a white horse and on his thigh will say king of kings. And Lord of Lords. And it is going to be amazing as we get through the book, as we get through the tribulation period and all the ugliness that we're going to see in the book, the tribulation period, as we see, as we go through the book of Revelation, when we get to chapter 19, we're going to see the victorious King of King and Lord of Lords. We're going to see that as we march ahead. But one of the last things here is we see that he was washed us from our sins. As we have just been studying First uh, John 1, 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All. And I love to use that because this was one of the things that Willie was always so good at pointing out. All. And no matter where you look it up or what dictionary you look, all means all. It's every single one of us that he has cleansed all the world from their sins. Now they have to receive that, that, that gift of grace if they want to be received from their sins. But it is that he has died for, or he has paid the price for all sins. We see on the cross that he paid for that penalty. So here in uh, verse uh, 6, And he has made us kings and priests um, to God the Father, um, to Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, we see that here in verse 6 says, he talks about the priests, that we will be the kings and priests. One of the things um, that you have to kind of get out of your mind, and this maybe this is just for me, um, we have to get out of your mind like Roman Catholicism, because when I think of priests, when somebody mentions be a priest, I have a visual in my mind, and, and I think of uh, where I grew up, and Roman Catholicism is what I think about. But we got to re remember that the priests that he's talking about, we're talking about the priests of the Old Testament. 
the priest of, remember that Aaron, the priest, that they would offer sacrifices. And remember that they would offer blood sacrifices. They would offer animal sacrifices. And this was all pointing in the Old Testament. It was pointing to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, until John 124, right? That they come and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And so we see that this is what they're talking about, the priest of the Old Testament, that they were speaking about these priests that we, we can see that they are speaking about the things that are coming. And so we see today that there is no longer animal sacrifices. They're no longer because we know that Jesus paid for those sins. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, and this comes from uh, Romans 12.1, that our sacrifice to offer in Romans 12.1 says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And holy only means set apart for the things of God. When I was a kid and I grew up, I always thought holy meant that like you were those st on the stained glass window. You had to have that halo over your head. That's how you became holy. No, it, holy means to be set apart for the things of God. And so this is one of the things, but I think this is an amazing verse. But we see that we are to tell the Lord, Lord, I am yours. Use me for whatever it is that you called me. And I'm here tonight to tell you he will answer that prayer. If your prayer tonight, if you go home, or if your prayer tonight is you're here at the Bible study, say, Lord, use me. And, and even though that this was one of the things that I'm here tonight to tell you, it is a very serious and a very dangerous prayer. Because if you pray that prayer, he will use you. He will use you. And, and don't, ask, don't ask me how I know that. Uh, but one of the things is that it says, Lord, I am yours. And, and also remember that 1 Corinthians 6.20 said that we were bought at a price there is a, a singer who comes to the packing house. Um, he has no relation to Ed Ray, but his name is Gary Ray. And he sings a song, Heaven is Here Now. And I always remember the words of the song that he says, that I'm not my own, I belong to the king. And, and this is so amazing for us to remember that we belong to the king. We are sons and daughters of the king, of the creator of the universe. He has adopted us and brought us into his family. He loves us. And so it's amazing and powerful that we would see that, that we are not our own, that we are uh, daughters and sons of the king. And I'm always reminded also of Matthew 6, 33, that if we, um, that, that if we will uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, that all things will be added to us, all things. And so all is all. So here in verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. One of the things that, as we see that we talked about coming in the clouds, uh, we're going to get to it. And this, this actually is, is alluded to here in, in, uh, in the book of Acts. But it goes all the way back, and I'm going to read it here. It's, it's in the book of Daniel. Um, it's in Daniel chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you because I think it's amazing when you consider that the book of Daniel was written like five, uh, 530 B.C. Um, but here, this is in the book of Daniel and speaking about the clouds, that Jesus Christ will come on the clouds. And here in verse and 13 and 14, it says, I was watching in the night vision and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him then to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people's nations and language should serve him 
His dominion, dominion is an everlasting dominion uh, which shall never pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. And so it's amazing to, to hear that they're speaking about this in the book of Daniel of the coming Messiah will come in the clouds that he is still have not come yet. What we see here, as I'll, and I know many of you know this uh, verse in uh, the book of Acts, speaking about Jesus, how he, uh, how he ascended into heaven. And this here, it comes from um, Acts 1, verses 9 through 11. And it says, Now when he had spoke these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and also said, Men of Galilee, why do you gaze up looking into heaven? This same Jesus whom was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And one of the things as we talk about Jesus' coming in the, in the clouds that we will see him, and it is talked about here in the book of Acts, as, as in your study time, I won't get into reading all the whole thing, but if you will see that, that it, there is a promise that he will return to the Mount of Olives, and this is Zechariah 14.4, that the promise the prophecy was made in Zechariah 14.4 that he will come um, in, in the Mount of Olives. And also I think it's important that we see that he will come with the clouds of heaven. And this is in Matthew 24.30. Um, if you get time in your study time that you can look up these verses. But I think it's powerful as we study through the book of Revelation that God has been speaking, been prophesizing about the coming Messiah, how he would come. And we see things about God that in detail, we talked about something very simply as a cloud that we see that God is, is always interested about the very little detail. And I know many of us, if we're thinking about something prophetically talking thousands of years in the past, why, why is it so important? But one of the things that I always draw from that, that God is interested in the detail in each and every one of our lives. I know many times that we think like we're in the workplace, or as tonight as we talked about prayer, that oftentimes we think, oh, these things are too minute for God. He's not interested about these things. God wants to know about the details of our lives. And it's just like in the garden when he called out to Adam. It's not that he doesn't know that Adam had already eaten from the tree that he had forbidden him to eat from, but he wanted to have communion with Adam. And that's what he wants to have with us. He wants to come with him and he wants, he already knew what he had done, but he wants to come to him that we would come and have that closeness, that intimacy with God. And this is why he loves the details of our lives. We shouldn't leave any of the details without telling the Lord. And there isn't anything too small that we can come and tell the Lord. It's powerful that we do that. So here, um, the last verse tonight, and this is Jesus speaking in the red here. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. He who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And we see the Alpha and the Omega. We know that this is the uh, first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It is no different than it, that Jesus is saying here that I am the A to the Z. I am everything you need. And this is for each and every one of us here tonight. Jesus is everything we need. There isn't anything that we need apart from Jesus. It's this He is all that we need. And he, he calls himself here the Almighty. I love this definition of him. And, and here in the the Greek it says here it's it's uh, it speaks of it speaks of the eternal deity of Christ just uh, all those words but it's it's He who holds sway over all things this is what it means in the Greek but in the Hebrew it is El Shaddai this is who 
Christ is, who he is revealing. And so as we study through the book of Revelation, as we've gotten through the first uh, eight verses tonight, as you guys have your personal study time, uh, my prayer, as we see these signs and wonders, and I know many of us have gathered here tonight with anticipation, wanting to know more about the future, but I, I pray that my prayer is, for the, as we go through the book of Revelation, that we would see and get closer and have that intimacy with Jesus Christ as God reveals his son, Jesus Christ, to us. Amen? Amen. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your book here as we open up your book of Revelation, Father. Lord, we have gathered here tonight, these men have gathered here tonight, and people have gathered online to hear, Father, of your son, Jesus Christ, Father. Reveal him to us in our lives, Father. Help him, make, him, make him more clear, clearer in each and every one of our lives, Father. We ask that you would do all these things, Father, and we ask that you would do them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.